Welcome. If you are a first-time visitor here, please fill out the card uh, in the, I guess it's before you in the pew. I was going to say the seat before you, but it's the pew before you, the back of the pew, whatever, wherever you find that visitor's card, you can fill it out. And uh, we just want to get to know you better, and we want to say we're glad you're here. Um, and we are glad. Today is a day we like to celebrate. Every Sunday is a celebration day because of the resurrection. We're going to talk about that. But as we were singing, Jesus paid it all. It got me thinking about my own journey before I was a believer, before I was a Christian. And I was uh, being asked a question by someone. They asked me, do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die or are you going to go to hell? And I thought, well, you know, I'm not such a bad person. I mean, I don't lie too big. I haven't stolen too much money. I've never, I've never done anything really worse than anybody else. But uh, I said, I, I, I would hope I'm going to go to heaven. And she told me, no, you know, because none of us are good enough. It's not that good people go to heaven. It's only forgiven people go to heaven. And there's only one way. It's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the only one who was good enough, and it's because he was good enough that we get a free gift of grace. And uh, the only way you can know for certain of your eternal destiny is by saying, thank you, Jesus, I'll trust in you for my way to heaven. I'll trust in you for the forgiveness of sins. But you have to come first to the cross where you lay down your life and say, it's not mine anymore, it's yours. And so I wanted to get that out first. Before we talk about the resurrection, you have to come to the cross because without a death, you can't have a resurrection. But the good news is, is once you lay your life down for Jesus, once you give yourself to him, and it's not by any good works or anything, it's by an act of faith and saying, I just trust what you did will cover me, and receiving him as your Lord and Savior, then something happens. Something in you dies, yes, but something glorious comes alive. Something glorious and powerful enters into your life. And it's not just, well, I got a little bit of knowledge and I know what the Bible says now. No, it's the resurrection. We're going to talk about that today, the resurrection. And it's not just something that's for the future. My emphasis today is it's for now. And in fact, because Jesus has rose from the dead, are you, are you ready for this? We're, we're all gathered here and someone else is with us. It's the Lord. And, you know, maybe you don't think about that much. Maybe, you, well, I don't see him, I don't sense him or what. It starts with expectation. It starts with expectation. What do you believe? What do you expect? If you're not believing that Jesus has risen from the dead, if you don't expect his presence to make a difference in your life or in a gathering here, it's not going to come forward. You're not going to realize it. You're not going to experience it. But it's not just for a meeting I'm talking about, but I'm talking about for today's meeting, why don't we just have the expectation that Jesus is here, that he really is risen from the dead. He's present by his Holy Spirit. The word says he's going to come manifest again in his body in a new glorious reign on this earth. Things are going to change, and that's the hope we have. Because if you're like me, I'm not too excited about the way things are right now. I mean, life is good. You can have some good things, but there's so much that's, that's disturbing, difficult, and hard and it's all coming to an end when Jesus is going to restore everything. But he starts now. He starts with us when we come to the cross. And when we lay down our lives for him, he'll lift us up. And not only lift us up in the age to come, but 
beginning this very moment. And he can lift us up right now if you expect and believe. And for your life, after you leave here, your Monday through Saturday stuff, before you come to church again on Sunday, Jesus can affect your life in a very powerful and positive way. And say, well, where is it? We're going to talk about that. But the resurrection is what makes the difference. It's what makes the difference uh, in the Christian faith from all the other faiths or isms out there. We all know Muhammad, founder of Islam, is still dead. Confucius of Confucianism fame. He's still dead. And Buddha is rotting in the grave. But there's an empty tomb somewhere in Jerusalem where the Lord was laid and he's no longer there. That's the difference. And that's what makes the Christian faith unique from anything else. It makes it more, uh, well, let's just say it this way. You can read all the philosophies. You can read all the doctrines and you have all kinds of teaching. But there's no power in that because there's no risen Savior in that. Whereas Jesus comes, not that we just memorize some scriptures, not that we just do some good things and we, we say, okay, I did my religious duty today. I came to church and now I'm going to go and do the, what I do normal. No, Jesus rose so that we could have a spiritually powerful walk with him. That is the power of the resurrection. And it's available to everyone who will believe. I know this power. I told you I, I had those words with someone in the beginning. They said, you know if you're going to go to heaven. Well, I finally, after a long journey, came to the place where I, I said, okay, Jesus, you win. You take over my life. And that resurrection power came in me. It turned a college partier, rock and roller, into a preacher of the gospel. It, that power caused me to leave a good job when I was 28 years old and to do something wacky, go to a school in Texas and become a missionary. That power took me to China. I said, I don't know if I can do this, Lord. And he said, I'll be with you. I said, okay, I'll do it for a year. And I ended up being there for the better part of 18 years. I mean, there's power in a risen Savior. Now, you know, you can try to do good and grit your teeth and say, I'm going to do my best for the Lord, and you'll get a little bit of progress, but you'll usually fall backwards it's usually two steps forward and three steps backwards and that's you know it's better than nothing but it's not the same as just saying okay lord i can't do this you take over you change me i couldn't go to china i couldn't quit my job i couldn't stop my partying and my rock and rolling um really i couldn't it was him that did it and he took away other things too that i won't go into but it was his power it wasn't me saying i got to do better i got to do better but a lot of people never get past that the resurrection doesn't make a difference in many lives. And sad to say, you know, most of the world out there, you know, you're here at church today. You're hearing a word of truth. You're here because you have some inkling for the Lord. And hopefully when you leave, you'll have more of an inkling for the Lord, an inclination. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But there are many people out there that don't know that there's a resurrection power that can deliver them from despair. There's a resurrection power that can deliver them from drugs, from alcohol, from sordidness, from all the anxieties, from the doom and gloom. There's a resurrection power that can get them through the mundane in the, in the life. You might be stuck in a position where you're like, oh, is this ever going to change? The resurrection can change it. If it doesn't take you somewhere else, it will give you the power to endure. But the resurrection is what makes a difference. And many people believe that Jesus is risen, but they don't live as, as if he's risen. They've come to the cross. They came to this side of the cross 
And they bowed down and said, forgive me, Lord. And they got forgiveness. They're going to go to heaven. They're going to... They're going to be saved. They're forgiven. But yet they still go about the day, and it's so hard to be like Jesus. I can't do You know, it's impossible to be like Jesus. I remember watching a, a film about a popular uh, Christian artist. Uh, Randy will probably know who it is. But uh, he was just always constantly struggling with his flesh, constantly struggling with his flesh. He was writing great music, and he was doing great things. Uh, all right, I'll just say Rich Mullins, if anybody knows who Rich Mullins is. And the guy was wonderful. He, he made great music. But the sad part of his story was that he was always struggling. He just said, I'm just a mess. I'm just, he felt like he was just never making it. But in the end, he finally got some counsel to just let it go and say, thank you, Lord, you accept the mess. You accept the mess. And, and that's a great revelation. God does accept us in the mess. He accepts us, and that's why Jesus went to the cross. He paid for that, and our mess doesn't stop him from loving us. But that's not all that Jesus rose again for. Jesus rose so that he could actually get you out of the mess, that he could do it by his strength and not yours. And the problem is many people, like Rich Mullins, were, were stuck on this side of the cross. They never understood that you can actually, by faith, take the resurrection and have that do a work in your life where you're no longer bemoaning your, your weaknesses and failures and sins, but you're saying, because the word says so, I'm risen with Christ. Before the word, because the word says so, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because the word says so, I'm being blessed right now, even though I'm not measuring up, I'm not living up to it. And Jesus is alive, and I receive that and believe it right now. And my story is perfection with God. I got one amen out of that. Your story is perfection with God. By faith. It's the just shall live by faith, not by works. It's not. And so, you know, what was my point about Rich is that there's a place where you have to release yourself from that burden. And you say, just say, thank you, Lord. Instead of beating yourself up and saying, why am I like, why am I, why am I all the time saying, Thank you. You see it all as gold. And I, in fact, that's who I am. He's, changed, he's made us a new creation in Christ. But the resurrection makes that difference. And if it doesn't, then we're all wasting our time coming here today. What's, my first scripture is 1 Corinthians 15, 13 to 20. I just want to bring this up, that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. There it is in scripture. Oh, if in this life we only have hope in Christ and we are of all men the most pitiable pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So yes, if Christ has not risen, then we're the most pitiable. We're just wasting our time. We're still in our sins. We're not here just to get some good moral precepts to follow. We're here to grow close in a relationship with God. We're here to know the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We're here to receive abundant life. Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have life and have life to the full. 
John 10.10, I came that they might have life. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what is life? What are we after? What are we getting fed with? What are we pursuing? And why are we pursuing these things when all else outside of Christ leads to the end? of It leads to death and hell, basically. But everything in Christ leads to, every, to life. And if Christ is not risen, then I'm just blowing stink air here. Hot air, stink air. Hopefully my breath is better this morning. I brushed my teeth before I came. But Christ is risen. And, that's, and so just think for a moment. If you can stand and say, right now, he's right here. Right now. Sometimes you have to talk to yourself. Sometimes you have to just believe and you convince yourself, persuade yourself. And then he comes in, the power carries you and takes you on. So I'm believing that for right now. And I'm telling you that uh, this is what makes the difference in the Christian faith. It's what makes the difference in your life. If you're not walking in the resurrection life of Christ, you need to get on the resurrection side of the cross. And we're going to see that in John 5, verse 24 and 25, that it is a now thing. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, here's something, it's not that you're going to have everlasting life, but when you hear and believe, you have everlasting life. It's a now deal. And you shall not come into judgment. You have passed from death into life. You don't have to wait till the end when you're on your hospital bed or whenever it is that you're going to be at the end of your life. Right now, you can pass from death to life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So something happened in the past so that something could take place now and could be culminated in the future. Jesus died and rose again in the past so that right now we could have everlasting life. And it's going to be culminated in the future when we do not come into judgment, but we come into the ultimate uh, age to come. So I want to talk about now, but before we get to now, let's just consider for a moment the hour is coming. The hour is coming. The time of the resurrection is going to happen where he's talking about a literal raising of the dead. Even Jesus, you know, I sent a letter out to folks and I said Jesus died and rose again. It wasn't a myth. It wasn't a legend. It was a story. It was something that actually happened in history in real time and space. And in the hour to come, the dead will hear the voice of Christ and rise. It will be an actual event in time and space when your bodies will rise. Well, what happens to the the corrupt bodies and the bodies that were disintegrated, all that stuff. God put it all together and God can put it together again, but we're going to be changed, it says, as in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to put on the incorruptible for the corruptible, but the body will rise and you will have a new glorious body. Can I get an amen with that? Anyone want a new glorious body that's not subject to pain and sickness and all the, the uh, what we're going through here? That's a hope. The hour is coming. That's going to happen. And every time you feel that pain or that ache or whatever, you know, just use it as an opportunity to praise the Lord. Say, Lord, I thank you for that hour that's coming and that this thing is never going to afflict me again. And all the things that are afflicting us, the trials, the temptations, the, all that's going on in this world, it's going to be over. And you say, well, how can it be? 
And Paul said that the resurrection of the dead is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. And it's just hard to think about. How can the dead rise from the dead? But there's a great uh, verse in Scripture in the book of Acts. I, I think it's in Acts 26, but I could be wrong. But it says, why should, you be, why should it be thought incredible that God raises the dead? If there is a God, and God is the creator, and God is overall, why would this be a stumbling block for anybody? God can and will raise the dead. In fact, he's given us signs of it in nature, right? You know, the seed dies before the fruit comes forth. That's a clear uh, sign of resurrection life. There's the caterpillar. Ever considered the caterpillar? The caterpillar becomes the butterfly. It, you know, you can imagine the caterpillars talking to each other and one person saying, you know, you know we're going to become this winged creature that can just soar and fly through the air. And the caterpillars are like, I can't even barely move an inch without taking forever. <laughs> it's amazing. But that's, you know, God has given us signs. And even... Look at you and me. What did we start as? We started as a seed, right? What if, you, what if the seeds were gathered at a convention saying, you know, one day you're going to have arms and legs and talk and you're going to have minds and you're going to be created? You know, they say, you're crazy. No, it's just, you know, we, we just have to believe as God has shown us that things are changed and there's a change coming and the hour is coming when the dead will hear the voice of God and live. And so that's a happy thought. No matter what you're going through, no matter what happens next, this is not the end. This is not the end. And, you know, we get affected and we can break down and we can have our moments, but we always need to bounce back because this is not the end. The hour is coming. But here's the glorious news. And now is. And now is. What does that mean? He, he rose again so that he could live now in us. And here's the thing about eternal life. A lot of people think about eternal life. Eternal life is when you die and you go to heaven, or you may go to hell. I don't know. But that's eternal life, right? Well, that's not the scriptural definition of eternal life. It is part of it. It is part of it that you die and then something happens in eternity. But scripture portrays eternal life as a now thing in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So here, this was spoken from Jesus. He said eternal life isn't necessarily just what happens after you die, but eternal life is a quality of life right now. It is a relationship life right now. Jesus died so that we could be reconciled and he rose again so that we could have relation with him. And when it talks about knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, it's not talking about just knowing about him. It's not just talking about knowing about him. But when scripture talks about knowing, it, it, the words imply an intimacy. You know, it talked in the Old Testament that uh, Abraham knew his wife. This is talking about intimacy, closeness. And with God, you can be close and have an intimate relationship so that he's involved in every aspect of your life. That when you're reading the word, it's not just dry words on a page, but his Holy Spirit is quickening the message to your heart and working, influencing your heart so that your heart is changing and you're desiring to do what God wants you to do. It's no longer what you want to do. 
See, this is the thing I'm talking about. It goes back to what I was saying about Rich Mullins and and struggling with the flesh. There's always this struggle, this Romans 7 struggle. I want to do better, but I can't. I want to do better, but I can't. And it grieves me. But there's a place where you say, thanks be to God in Romans 8. Thanks be to God, there is now no condemnation in Christ. And, And he is the one that changes your heart. And you start to do things that he wants you to do because you want to do them. And that's empowering. You know, I had a hard time quitting certain bad habits when I got saved. But as I kept myself coming back to the Lord and saying, I just want what you want, and I thank you that you're able to do this, he changed my heart, and it wasn't an issue. You could, you could stop smoking like that. You can. you can. You can stop any bad habit. It's not normal that it happens that way, but God has the power to change your heart, change your desire, and that's what it's all about. It's knowing him, an intimate relationship with him. And it's not knowing about him and saying, oh, he can do these things. He will do these things. He does them now as we open ourselves up to him and say, come and do them in my life. So there, are, there is change. And, and you say, well, that's very nice, but uh, how do we get here? So I want to talk about that. First, it's for now. And let me just read real quickly from Ephesians 1, verse 21. And actually, I need to go up a little bit uh, before that in verse 19. It talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. See, it's very interesting. He's saying that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is working in our lives to those who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power on the inside of you and me if you have given your lives over to him. And it's interesting because Paul writes this in such a way to say, and it's also for the age to come. You know, we would do it backwards in this day. We'd say, you know, it, you know, or that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to say it's for now, it's for now. But they took it for granted. Paul took it for granted. He was saying it's, it's not only in this age, but it's in the age to come. It's not only in this age. See, what I'm trying to do today is saying, you know, you believe everything is going to happen and they come. I'm saying it's not only in that age, it's for now. But back in the beginning, it was about, they, they just took it as the norm. He also said to Timothy, he said that godliness is profitable in the same thing. He's, I think it's 1 Timothy 4.8. 1 Timothy 4.8, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Again, the norm is it's for now. So, you know, the hour is coming and now is the dead shall hear the voice of God and live. What does this mean? We have a lot of walking dead among us. I got this great picture on my uh, computer of these cell phone zombies. There's just an army of zombies and they look and they're all looking at their cell phones. It's like the walking dead. The, I mean, it's time to put the phone down. And I'm not saying, I mean, we got to use our phones, right? 
And that's just a fun picture I got. But the point is, is that we can be the walking dead. We have to hear and believe and live. And so that's, that's the how part. I've, I've, I've tried to set everything up now. How? How do we get to this? We can get to this. First, let's look at John 5, verse 24. We already saw that at the beginning, but the keys are in this verse. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life. The first way to have this life in you is you've got to hear. And some of you may be hearing my voice right now, but you're not really listening. I think everybody's listening in here. Now I'm looking at your faces. Now just perk up, right? right? No, but actually, I'm joking, but that's what I would say. I've, I've been a teacher most of my adult life, and I would always tell my students, when you're in class, get inclined to hear, because you can hear things, but never really absorb them, never really take them, never really hear. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So you can hear things and not really hear. You need to get your spirit, your heart, your inner person in a position to hear. So I tell my students, sit up straight. If you need to, hold a pencil, take some notes, look, look alert, because if you're telling your body to get alert, then you're going to be inclined to hear. You're, you're actually being deliberative. You're intentional about hearing. And so I'm saying with spiritual life, in a relationship with God, you have to be like that. In, you might, your body may be comfortable and relaxed, but inside your heart is at attention. And your spiritual ears, you're listening. you got your hand up there, you're listening. You're directing your inclination toward God, and that's how you're going to be able to hear. Now, I tell my students, if you have a boring teacher, a dull, monotone, everybody open your books now, and we'll talk like this for the rest of two hours, and... <laughs> Uh, that's when you even have to be all the more diligent to incline yourself to hear. So how much more when we get out into this world and there's all kinds of things, there's distractions, we have to be careful. I also talk communication. And one of the things I like to teach in communication is that you have to deal with noise sometimes. And noise takes on more than what you think about. It's not just the train that goes by and you can't hear the physical sound. But noise can be just a, a distracting thought. Or it could be someone's tie, and you're just like, you're not hearing what's saying because you're just being uh, distracted by, you know, a, an aroma or something else, a daydream, anything, noise. And, and this world is constantly making noise. Why is it that we have to go to restaurants and we have to have TVs everywhere? Why do we always have to be distracted? When I was on the bus, I, you know, in China, it was... For a while, it wasn't there, but then they finally started putting TVs on the buses. I'm thinking, you know, why do we have to constantly be entertained? Why do we have to constantly be distracted? And all the more, we have to be inclined to hear, to say, I, I want to hear what the Lord is saying. And so that means being attentive to him and saying, Lord, open my ears, help me to hear and, and, and speak. The word of life is in this book. You can hear through reading. And when you read, it's the same thing. I'm not just reading a book, but Lord, open my spiritual ears to what you are saying and let the words take root in my soul and produce fruit in my life. Then he says, to him who hears and believes. And this is where a lot of people in the church kind of miss it sometimes because believing 
is more than just believing the right truths and the right doctrines, and I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Believing in Scripture is an act of response. Uh, in Hebrews 11, 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means you're giving evidence of things you believe in your life. That's what James says, faith without works is dead. doesn't mean that you're working to earn your way to heaven. It means that you're just responding to something you believe is true. Jesus says to love your enemies. If you have an enemy, how will you respond? Well, I can't really love that enemy. They're too despicable. Well, then you have to believe that Jesus loves his enemies, that you have to believe that I was once an enemy of Christ and he loved me. You have to believe. You get in and you start to hear what Jesus would say and you get into that place where, okay, now I'm starting to understand and I'm believing, I'm going to respond and I'm going to love my enemy. It actually, it says if you are kind to your enemies, do good to them who curse you, you will it'd be like heaping coals upon their heads. You wait and see how God can cover for you and vindicate you if you're in a situation. But that's what happens. That's eternal life. When we walk the way Jesus wants us to walk, he takes care of us, he lifts us up, he vindicates us, he makes us look good, but we have to be willing to take that step of faith, believing, and that is responding to his truth and his word. Now, I like to use this example. Let's say uh, I came in here and told you, uh, and I'm, this is just an example, but there's this giant angel standing right behind me here, and uh, you can't see him, but I just know he's there because I heard his voice, and now you're saying, well, are you hearing things? No. But um, you can't see him. But I'm telling you that the angel is telling everyone to get up and go downstairs to the kitchen. And you'd look at me and say, well, that's kind of strange. Okay, yes, it's just a strange example. But if you really believed that there was what I was saying happening behind me, what would the outcome be? Well, I'll tell you what the, the way the modern church might do it, right? The modern church might sing some songs about going to the kitchen. The angel's talking about going to the kitchen. Uh, we might come up with some Bible studies and discuss the implications of going to the kitchen and maybe discuss the assorted uh, nuances of pots and pans and things like that. We might produce some radio programs about angels and kitchens. Right? And that's all fine. That's all good. That might help us a little. But if we really believed, if we really believed that that was what was happening, we would get up and we would go to the kitchen. But we know there's no... Oh, I'm sorry. No. Poor attempt at humor. Poor attempt at humor. Okay, Grace, thank you. So, now, what if I told you that... Uh, Someone, your rich uncle Harry, had deposited a million dollars into your bank account. And would you still go around being chintzy and, and stingy and things like No, if you really believed you had a million dollars in your account, it would change something and you'd be ready to be generous and you'd not be worried about if you're going to be able to pay your rent or not, things like that. So God has placed in us much more than a million bucks. And most people are deceived. They're not thinking about that, but the very life of Christ has been placed in us. The very life of Christ, we talked last week how he shed his precious blood that was worth more than gold and silver. That meant that he valued you and me more than anything else because the life is in the blood. His very life was given for us 
and the resurrection brings it to his very life is given to us. If you'll believe it, you can walk out of here saying the life of Christ is in me. The life of Christ is in me. And the devil's going to say, no, he's not. You're just being foolish and you're just talking. That's when you have to say, noise, noise. I'm going to incline my ear to the word and I continue to stand on that. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. And some of you might say, well, it's just still too hard. How, how can I do it? And I'll close with this. This is what makes the difference in the gospel. Again, I told you that Muhammad's dead, Buddha's dead, and uh, Confucius. But Jesus is alive. Therefore, even when you do fail to attain to the things I'm talking about, because I am presenting a high ideal, it's here for us. It's now for us. But we are still growing, and this is why we come to church. We come to church to encourage each other, to remind each other, and to grow in these things because it's the life of faith is appropriating the eternal life. The life of faith needs to grow so that you can know more, grow more, know more, and then you go in his name more and the power more. So you don't be discouraged if, well, I'm not experiencing all this eternal life. It's all in Jesus' hands. And this is where you hear and believe and you understand that this is the difference in the Christian faith. We had a, a Passover dinner with the Oak Ridge Alliance Church this week. And that's the Christian Missionary Alliance uh, denomination. And I'm a fan of the founder of that Christian Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson. He's, he's old, back in the early 1900s, he wrote some books and things. And I remember one of the stories, they had great stuff going on in China and uh, he tells a story of this Chinese person who became a Christian because of a prophetic dream that he had. And the Chinese person described it as this, that he had fallen into this miry pit and he was helpless. He knew he was supposed to get out, but he couldn't get out. And uh, then he saw somebody approaching from above. And it was this gray-haired, sagey-looking character. And he recognized at once that it was Confucius. He said, Confucius, help me. Get me out of this pit. And Confucius just looked down and said, if you had read my teachings and if you had done them, you would have never ended up in that pit. He says, yes, I know, but can you? And then Confucius was gone. And then the next figure he saw was this, this strange-looking, bubbly-looking guy that I guess was Buddha. And he, he cried out, Buddha, help me get out of this pit. And Buddha looked down at him and said, just close your eyes and fold your arms and enter into nirvana, into nothingness, and you will be at rest. And he said, well, okay, I, I'll do that when I get out, but can you help me get out of this pit? And the next thing he knows, Buddha was gone. And at the point of despair, he finally saw someone that looked very common, like, like himself. And he, yet he saw some suffering and some marks in his body, and he knew that it was Jesus. He said, Jesus, can you get me? And before he could finish saying that, Jesus had come down, put his arms around him, and carried him out of the pit. And he spoke to him and said, Now, walk with me, and let's go further, so that you never end up in this pit again, and that you have even greater. And that really, and that's what changed his life. It was a prophetic dream, but we don't need a prophetic dream because we just heard it told here. And you don't need that even when you've got the word of life. It, the, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they will live 
Will you hear his voice? His voice is saying, rise up. Will you hear his voice for your life? Well, I got saved when I was a kid. Well, get saved and live for God today. And, and you know, don't settle for less than eternal life because the world is deceptive, the devil is deceptive, and we want to be in the way of truth because it's the truth that sets us free. It won't make your life any easier necessarily, but it will make it stronger and more empowered, and you'll have more of a joy and love of God that will carry you through the difficult times. So in that sense, it is easier, but it also has a price to pay. You're going against the tide of a world that doesn't accept Christ, but it's all coming to a head when they all will hear his voice at some point. Everyone will raise, and those who hear now and live will not enter into the judgment. Right now, though, Let's just pray and ask the Lord to do a work. Believe that he's here right now. Believe that the Holy Spirit is working. Believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bless you with empowered life, eternal life. And if you don't know Jesus by confessing and turning from your sins and saying, I can't do it, you do it for me. Now's a good time to ask him into your life and to, and to turn to him. And those of you who have done that, this could be a new day of empowerment and living because the resurrection is not just for Easter Sunday, it's for every day. And uh, again, like I said, you will have times when it won't feel like you're living. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And when you push through those times, it'll be stronger. You'll find yourself having more. And come back and see us because that's what we're going to be talking about more and more, how to appropriate this in our lives and how to walk in this and how to grow in our relationship with God because the resurrection ultimately is about relationship with God. God, the ultimate supreme good in all of life in the universe, and he condescends so low to us to say, hey, come up with me, and I will give it all to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, as we close, let's just close in prayer, and then we'll uh, finish up with another song. Father, thank you for the love of God expressed to us in your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you have raised him from the dead and that you have raised us up to a place where we can have relationship with you and life everlasting. Lord, I pray for each person here that you touch their lives with resurrection power today, with the power of your Holy Spirit, and that you'd move each of us up a notch in our spiritual walk with you and that you continue to draw us unto yourself. And in this place, this world of noise and distraction, we pray that the power of your word and your spirit would draw our hearts unto you all the more and that you would have your way with us and that you would show your glory to us and through us. I pray blessings on each person here as they seek you and they find you, Lord, and that you would bless and protect them and keep them strengthened and empowered against all the works of the enemy out there and provision for everyone and blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.